Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Hello and welcome to the Inside Carolina Coast to Coast podcast. I'm your host, John Siegley. I'm joined, as always, by Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran. We are sponsored by John T-Shirt and JohnT-Shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. Guys, hope that you're having a good Monday evening as we are recording this. I know Pharrell and I were sitting over here waiting to see what's going to happen with this hurricane that's about to hit North Carolina. So for everyone listening, if you are impacted by that storm here at Inside Carolina, we hope that you are safe, doing well. So, and we appreciate you listening to the podcast. Guys, if you have a second as well, please rate and subscribe to the Inside Carolina podcast, however you are listening to us, whether that be on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever application you use, it really helps us grow the podcast if we get people subscribing and rating. So we have a couple of big time topics to talk about tonight. First one, going to jump right off the bat. Harrison Ingram, who is one of Carolina's top targets in the 2021 class, five-star forward out of Texas. News broke that he has released his top six, which does include Carolina. Now, Cheryl, I don't think the inclusion of the Tar Heels is necessarily a surprise, but some of the other schools on his list might have caught some fans a little bit off guard. Who were the other... Go ahead and give us the full list of Ingram's top six and... Let's go ahead and just kind of work into a discussion about where he's at in his recruitment. Sure. So he's got uh, Purdue, Stanford, North Carolina, Harvard, Hampton, and uh, excuse me, Harvard, Howard. People are going to be upset I missed up Howard, Howard and Hampton. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a no-no. So let me start hey, over. Okay, yeah, take go two. Ahead, go ahead. Take All right. two. Yeah. Carolina, Stanford, Purdue. Howard, Harvard, and Michigan are his uh, six. So a very unique list. I'm pretty sure that's never – there's never been a, any recruit ever that's had that top six, like in the history of, you know, since this has been going on in you know, the last 50 or 60 years with recruiting. Very unique. Um, and I think part of it is his family um, – you can go look it up. A few years ago, um, they wrote a story about him and his brother uh, and about how his brother was kind of uh, – Harrison – is a really good basketball player. His brother wasn't quite at that level and had to decide between academics and athletics. And he found a route to basically uh, do both. And um, the family is just, you know, they very much value education. <clears throat> I think the, the Stanford and Harvard and Howard inclusions show you that. But then yeah. Carolina, Purdue, and Michigan are three really good schools as well. Um, so you see kind of what they're looking for. There aren't the, you know, they're, North Carolina is one of the traditional schools on there. I would say Michigan is a traditional school as well, but there isn't the Kansas and the Kentucky and Duke and um, the Texas and, and those type of schools. Um, so really focused on schools that have great academics and have good basketball programs. Um, so yeah, curious to see where he goes from here. I'm not sure if there's going to be another list cut down before a decision. Um, mm. Brian Snow talked to him 
and got some quotes. You can go read those on the uh, IC Mitch's board, just about each school and kind of what he's thinking. But um, yeah, unique uh, top six for sure. Interesting that he might go just straight from a top six to a commitment. You don't see that a whole lot nowadays. Usually, you know, they do that top three and then go from there. Sean, you know, the uniqueness of the top six, I think it really does show how Ingram is approaching this recruitment. I mean, guys from Texas, Carolina has been hit or miss with, with those recruits as of late. How do you see his recruitment being at this point from a UNC perspective? I think they have a pretty, you know, pretty good shot. Um, as you said, the the mix is definitely interesting. I mean, I think realistically, you can you can uh, take out Howard and and Harvard from from that and get down to a four, and then realistically, probably a three with with uh, Purdue, North Carolina, and Stanford. And you have Stanford, who uh, similar to Zaire Williams, was actually the first one to really recruit him. Um, so. I think it's interesting that once again, UNC is in a commitment with or in a race with Stanford. Um, Stanford <laughs> was very early on with the yeah. player, um, so it kind of gives a, a little bit about their you know talent identification uh, with Jared Haas at the helm. Um, I think the one thing that's interesting is the lack of Texas schools, given mm-hmm. you know he's coming from Texas. Uh, Texas has made it. To, you know, University of Texas, along with all the other schools, have made it a point to try to, you know, keep the Texas talent home, and um, they're nowhere to be found in the the top six. But you know, in terms of him, I think he he's a smart kid, um, and I think he'd fit in pretty well. Once again, that kind of goes to the fit. He's he's uh, I don't really see him as a one and done uh, type player, just more athletically. But that's not to say he won't turn into one because uh, he has been rising up the recruiting rankings. Um, yeah. But when you look at a Purdue or a Stanford, there could be kind of that more immediate guaranteed playing time um, and not just playing time, but being able to play the one, the two, the three, because uh, he is a pretty unique player where the mm-hmm. flexibility might not fully be there for UNC, even though I think he would be a great potential two-year fit. That first year might not be as easy, uh, which could cause him to, choose one of the other schools yeah and yeah i was gonna say the expectation like somewhere like stanford the expectation is that zaire williams will be you know a one and done and you bring in another guy like ingram and there's a chance where you could put the ball in his hands he could kind of be that point forward um that a lot of people like in 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 basketball right now you know with the high with his ability to dribble with his ability to distribute um high basketball he's got all that stuff that you know, could, he could be a team's primary facilitator, I think, if they, you know, let him. And so that could be appealing as well. Um, but to Sean's point, that's not going to happen at, at North Carolina. Like, he won't be the primary facilitator at UNC. So I think um, uh, North Carolina is going to have to make sure that their pitch to him is crafted very well. Um, I, I think their pitch usually is just honesty, like, hey, we – you know, we like you as a player and we think you can do some things and help us and win some games and help yourself. Um, But beyond that, it's going to be interesting and challenging, I think, for them to show kind of how he would fit in considering his skill set is very unique. Um, We were talking about it earlier, but I think kind of what Leaky Black, what what the promise he shows, um, you know, as far as his ability to handle, um, his ability to finish at the rim, kind of, I think Ingram brings that, but to a higher level. Um, so maybe that's something they can show them, but it's definitely going to be um, at the top when they have their Zoom meetings and 
video calls and, and the staff breaks down film with him. That's kind of, I think what they're going to have to show. Yeah. And, well, that's, and for, for, sorry, for Ingram, um, you know, unlike really the majority of other players, he's already pretty much seen all the campuses because he was so aggressive back in the wintertime in terms of taking visits. So, you know, he's already done all that where everybody else is hoping they might get to take a visit in the fall uh, or take a virtual visit. But, you know, he, he got that out of the way. So there's nothing really stopping him just besides further conversations. Well, I think it's interesting that, Sheryl, you mentioned Leaky Black, but with Leaky, he had that big-time growth spurt. Um, he was that, you know, one or two for a lot of his high school career, and then he just grew all, all those inches, became more of a three. But I think with Ingram, he's been at this height for a while now, but he still has those distribution abilities that you guys both have talked about. I wanted to follow up with Sean real quick. So I guess the fit at Carolina would be Ingram – is really would slot into more of that three role with possibly going, going over to the two being maybe a backup guard, especially given the depth that Carolina's going to have. Is that more so how you think the fit would be for the Tar Heels? Yeah. I mean, I think the three just given his, his size, but once again, with him, you know, going back to AAU or high school last year, he was basically running the point guard position. Um, and AAU, he was running it playing a year above on the 17 year old level. And he was a go-to guy with the ball in his hands, making the, you know, making the passes, making the decisions, running the pick and roll. Now, not a traditional point guard. Um, Projecting out um, RJ Davis could be the main ball handler. Could could that be helpful? And all of a sudden he's, he's playing on the ball as well, perhaps. Um, But I think they'd probably want to slot him at the three. The question is, can't, you know, can they play with two ball handlers or utilize him as a, as another one? Because I think, you know, he's not the quickest of players, but he definitely knows how to get his teammates involved. He knows how to pass to where they're going. And Mm -hmm. even though he's a pretty good scorer, he's not a ball hog by any means. Um, So he knows how to kind of, you know, pick his points, um, which I think for him and UNC could be very, you know, very attractive. And we've talked about dominoes on here for, you know, the last few a weeks, while. but yeah, for a while. Um, but, you know, I, I think if say Harrison Ingram decides on North Carolina, that obviously rules out Caleb Houston say mm-hmm. that he doesn't say that Harrison Ingram doesn't pick North Carolina. Well then, you know, maybe they go not saying they're not recruiting Caleb Houston harder, hard now, but maybe that causes them to reevaluate and, you know, uh, put more effort and more energy into um, Houston. So <clears throat> that's something I think we have to consider as well is just how um, Ingram, uh, you know, a potential commitment from him would impact other players. You know, honestly, Sean, you are the author of the fit. But <laughs> if, if I, if I said to you, which player basketball only is a better fit at UNC between Caleb Houston and Harrison Ingram, what do you think you would say? Caleb Houston. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so, again, that's not saying that Harrison Ingram isn't a great player. That's not saying that he wouldn't do tremendous things in North Carolina. It's just without, you know, without going up to Roe Williams and saying, okay, what do you see for – what do you – how do you see this guy fitting in? It's kind of hard to envision it considering what they already have on the roster and what they have uh, coming back. Yeah. Although, at, this, at the same time, um, once again, I think – in the fit and in our discussions, we're looking at him as a three and we're looking at Leaky and Puff and I'm looking at Walton in that mix. I know, you know, is he a two or a three? 
I keep putting him in, in the three mix and basically saying Walton or Puff, one of them will hopefully emerge. Um, I don't think both of them will, but ideally one of them. Um, now, if they don't get a combo guard and now you, now you have Anthony Harris with his injury history, you might really only have one ball handler, um, it, you know, if you don't get a point guard. So could Ingram offset that and then in turn become a much better fit because he offers that versus Houston, who's, you know, can shoot on the wing and has a little bit more size, perhaps. Um, so I would, I would say Houston right now, but, you know, if UNC is really looking at him, you know, as you said, Shrill, they're looking at Salas to play the one through three. You know, are they looking at in, um, Ingram to at least offer maybe a little bit of that as well? Yeah, and, and we'll talk more about the class of 2021, those dominoes and the, and the potential impact a little bit later on in the podcast. Let me wrap up the talk on Ingram with this. I know, Sean, you said that you kind of felt that uh, Harvard and Howard maybe a little bit on the outside looking in for him. But, you know, Howard did land um, McCurr Maker earlier on in the year. I mean, I don't know, Sherelle, do you think that there's a little bit of a, a hole there? Huh? You, you tell me when he gets to campus. <laughs> Still, they got a commitment from him. I mean, that was a big deal for, for Howard. I mean, Sherelle, what, what do you think? Do you think it really is a true top six? Or do you think that there's the, the favorites within the favorites that we do see a lot in college basketball recruiting? Yeah, I think I think almost every player has a list within the list, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, I, I don't want to say never because I've been burned <laughs> by that too many times. Um, and you know, maybe Maker is a you know just kind of a trendsetter, and maybe this is something um, that starts happening in the future. I mean, you know, I never would have expected him uh, to to commit to Howard, so you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I don't expect it um, for Harvard or Howard. Um, As Sean said, I I think you started to get down to it. I really think it's that Stanford, Purdue, Carolina is kind of the three that stick out the most. And honestly, they're the three who have been with them as long as anyone. Um, Stanford, obviously the longest, but he, Purdue's been on them for a long time. And then, uh, you know, Carolina, even if it waited a little bit to offer, they've been recruiting him and targeting him and talking to him for, for some time as well. And he's, you know, took an official visit um, during that Duke game. Um, So, you know, he saw kind of Chapel Hill at its best in the Smith center. Um, So, you know, I, I, I I would be shocked if it wasn't one of those three. Um, And I don't know, Stanford has made a pretty uh, great case about um, how it recruits guys who go to these really, uh, academically rigorous high schools like St. Mark's um, that Ingram goes to. And I think Zaire Williams kind of shows him a path that, that says, hey, I can have the best of both worlds, even if I'm in college for a year or two. I can have world-class basketball and I can have, you know, world-class academics. So I, I think Stanford is is really one to watch there. Yeah. And that's obviously a pitch that Carolina can make as well the, a good blend of athletics and academics. So I'm sure that, that Coach Williams and the staff are also hammering that. I mean, we'll just have to, to see um, where Ingram is at. I think it's, it's interesting that both of you guys alluded to the fact that since he's taken the visits, his recruitment may just be one where he wakes up one morning and decides this is where I'm going and, and that's it. So it'll be something that the Inside Carolina crew will continue to keep an eye on. 
Keep your eyes peeled to the Inside Carolina Premium Basketball Message Board where Sean, Rel, and the rest of the gang will post all the updates. Let's go ahead and move on a little bit more, guys. Sticking with the class of 2021, that's, kinda, that's going to kind of be the focus of, the, of this week's Coast to Coast podcast, the backup point guard spots. Now, Cheryl, you talk about this in the weekly scoop that just posted. Um, so I encourage everyone, you hear me talk about it all the time, but it really is the best source for Carolina basketball recruiting. Cheryl posts that on a mostly weekly basis on the Inside Carolina Basketball Premium Message Board. Mm-hmm. Subscribe, look at that. I'd say, I, I say mostly week, weekly <laughs> just because, you know, when, 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 there's, when, when Cheryl does have the news to break, that's where it happens. But it was a little thing in there about the point guard position. I, I just wanted to touch on this with you guys because, you know, it looks as if, and this has been something that the message board has been talking about for a while, um, Kenny Chandler. He was the point guard that Carolina had offered in this class. He was their number one target at that spot. Looks like the intel, though, seems to suggest that the heels are going to be running distant in his recruitment. And as a result, looks like the staff is branching out a little bit. So, Sherelle, without giving away that premium information, talk to us about those backup point guards and where you think that position is right now for 2021. Yeah, so it's, it's, interesting. it's kind of difficult to figure out exactly if they really, really like Kenny Chandler and that's why he got the offer or if they you know, definitively want – kind of a traditional point guard in the class. Hmm. And the only reason I say that is because um, Chandler got the offer last year and everyone else uh, at that position, they've kind of taken their time with and developing a relationship and not, you know, giving out an offer, but just, you know, keeping in contact and and seeing how they're doing. So Angelo Brizzy, who we talked about, you know, a good amount uh, in June on this podcast, um, (laughs) he waited and I feel he feels like he waited a, a long time and Carolina didn't offer. So he moved on and eventually committed to Villanova um, last week. Uh, we talked, I don't even know if we get to talk about him on the podcast, but Russell Diggins uh, is another point guard um, who North Carolina had kind of shown a little bit of interest in. And there was a thought that maybe they might offer. And if they did, there was a great chance and there was a lot happening behind the scenes, but ultimately they decided not to offer and um, he committed to UConn. And so we know they've talked to, Another point guard, uh, Wade Taylor, down in Texas. Um, you can there's a full update on him on the Premium Message Board. But they talked to him, and he talked to Coach Williams directly, Roy Williams directly. Mm-hmm. So that's usually a, a pretty telltale sign for an recruitment. And then there are a couple of other uh, kind of lead guard types who we know they've been in contact with and are still recruiting. So what we're trying to figure out is um, once Kennedy Chandler or if Kennedy Chandler picks another school um, that's not UNC will they move quickly and say, okay, we need a point guard in this class and start talking to a couple of those targets that, um, that they've been uh, recruiting for some time? Or, you know, will they figure it out and say, well, if they're able to get someone like Hunter Salas who can play the one through three, is that enough? So yeah. we're still trying to find those answers. Um, but that's kind of where it's at in that there's one true lead guard offer um, or point guard offer in the class. And then there's some other guys that they're, Um, kind of talking to in the background so Sean when you're looking at the fit here because you've been doing the the profiles now which is another feature the inside Carolina has been rolling out great info there I mean that true point guard versus the combo guard for this class of 2021 how do you think the staff is looking at players are they really prioritizing one over over the other or do you think it's that they're going to take a 
best player available approach at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the number one option is the combo guard, just in terms of the flexibility. Um, you know, I think we started the fit out with Kennedy Chandler, which uh, received some, some interesting uh, feedback. Um, just a little bit, yeah. Which, which I think was expected, but once again, he was the first point guard offered, um, you know, very talented. Um, you know, in terms of, I'd say, uh, kind of quickest first step. I know me and Sherelle talked about, is he quicker with the ball than Kobe? Probably not. But in terms of just quickness, I think he'd be, you know, right up there after Ty Lawson in terms of who UNC's had. Um, but in, one of the things that we talked about was you put him and RJ in the same backcourt, and now you have a realistically a probably under six-foot backcourt that um, is extremely small. And, you know, if you put a combo guard, say Hunter Salas, now you have somebody that can protect RJ a little bit, uh, especially if they go against a bigger, bigger lineup. But at the same time, you are seeing a lot, you know, teams playing very small now. Um, but who's to say he stays, you know, knock on wood, he stays healthy. So I, I do think they definitely need another ball handler. I do think the better option is the two, one, just given who they have coming back. Um, but I mean, you look at the point guard situation and this goes back to December, January, when Chandler was first offered, you looked at the five stars and you had Chandler and, um, uh, Christian Lander who ended up reclassifying and is now Indiana as kind of the two lead ones head and head and shoulders above everybody. Um, you know, now you have JD Davidson or sorry, Davidson from Alabama, who's kind of the other five star, but UNC really isn't in the mix for, and, the majority of other point guards have committed um, besides a, a few. So, you know, with Brizzy, they looked at, they didn't offer, um, you know, Wade Taylor looking at, will they offer? It's a good question. Um, but, you know, I think they definitely will need, you know, whether it's somebody now or a grad transfer that can handle the ball, I think will, will definitely be important. I, I would, I would add something to uh, John. Mm-hmm. If you look at uh, like Hunter Salas is really the only combo guard too that they yeah have an offer out too. So really, I think it, you know, as I'm starting to go through things in my head, I think they just have um, that high of conf or they have a high level of confidence in the abilities of Chandler and Salas. And I think they want to ride it out with those guys until they're no longer in it. And then maybe start talking to um, some of the backup targets. And the other thing to consider too, is that Sky Clark, who was a 2022 guard, um is mulling a reclass into 2021 Mm -hmm. now reclasses that come you know within a few months or within a year i would say of when a player is going to um uh enter college don't often work out for unc i think caleb houston is a very unique situation because he's from a different country um so we'll have to see what happens with clark but again talking about dominoes there's a situation where you could see, you know, Clark reclassifying into 2021 and maybe he goes to a school that also has players um, who have UNC offers. And so yeah. someone like Clark could go, you know, just pick a school X and if school X also has Hunter Salas and someone else on their list. Well, that's one less place to, for someone like Hunter Salas to go. So I think that's an interesting dynamic with everything as well. Um, but yeah, they, they have one lead guard offer, one combo guard offer, and then uh, a few wings and, and some big guys. So, uh, you know, at, and the backcourt, uh, you start kind of projecting forward right now. I think they could be okay with the worst case scenario, which would be 
RJ Davis as your uh, point guard and Leaky Black as your backup with maybe Anthony Harris as kind of the third emergency. That's not awful. Um, I think it could be better. Um, and I think those players maybe would excel in different roles. But I think, you know, if they're looking at it, they can say, okay, that's it, it won't get any worse than that, barring injury. And yep. then, you know, you also have to consider there's going to, I think there's going to be a huge like transfer, grad transfer, decommit, release from a uh, letter of intent market, for lack of a better term, uh, this year with everything that's happened. And Carolina has shown over the last five or six years that they really take advantage of that. I think they've had a spring signee um, in four of the last six years or three of the last five. Um, they've gotten grad transfers. They've gotten guys released from letters of intent. They've gotten guys who decommitted from schools. So, um, you know, they do everything they can to make sure that the roster is kind of full um, heading into the season. Yeah, definitely. Let me take a very quick commercial break to talk about our friends at John T-Shirt and JohnT-Shirt.com. They are your place to go for Carolina gear. If you are not subscribed to the John T-Shirt uh, to the website and the emails to get all the latest offers, you need to do that immediately. We talk about them all the time because they are the absolute best place to go to get UNC gear for the Tar Heel fan and your family. They are a local business, an absolute icon there on Franklin Street. So they can really use all the help and support that you can give during these tough times. And don't forget that if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get you get 10% off of your orders there, either in store or online at giantt-shirt.com. They have all the latest gear coming out for the football and basketball seasons. So check those out. They got some awesome stuff right now in stock. Giant T-shirt, giantt-shirt.com, your place to go for Carolina gear. And let's go ahead and take a commercial break for the national ads as well. We will be right back after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we are back with the Inside Carolina Coast to Coast podcast. John Siegler here with Sherelle McMillan and Sean Moran. All right, so let's keep with the overall theme here of, of, the, of this week's Coast the Coast podcast, which is the class of 2021. We've talked about the combo guards. We've talked about the overall domino effect, which is just going to be huge during probably 2021 and 2022, given the unique situation that the staffs are having to recruit in right now with the COVID pandemic going on. Sherelle, I had a follow-up for you on Hunter Salas because both you – and Sean talked about just how Salas is someone that can play one through three. And if Chandler is going elsewhere, I mean, he could be the potential number one option on UNC's recruiting board. Do you get the sense, though, that Salas, I mean, is he narrowing down his recruitment? 
have you guys heard anything that may say that, you know, Carolina could know where they stand with him if he's going to commit at, to Chapel Hill or elsewhere, maybe within the next like month or so, or do you expect it to kind of drag out? Like we've seen some of these really do. Um, I would say, I think they're getting closer to cutting his list. Um, mm -hmm. There is some detail about that in the weekly scoop, so you can go check it out. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I would expect it. And I would expect a cut list first. And then from there, I think you, uh, he's, he's visited a few schools, but uh, not a ton. And especially not ones that have come on and offered him within the last six months. He just didn't get a chance to visit them. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's something that maybe they're going to wait and see uh, what the NCAA decides right now. Um, no one can take visits through August 31st. I would expect that to get extended anytime now, but uh, you never know. Maybe the NCAA says you can yeah. go in for, 24 hours and do an official visit or something. Um, but whatever they decide, I think um, after the decision about what happens with official visits, I think um, Salas and, and his parents will reassess and, and kind of recalibrate and, and move on from there. But I think right now they're going to wait and see uh, what happens with official visits. Gotcha. So Sean, I mean, do you think that that's something that the rest of Carolina's 2021 class that a lot of those guys might also be waiting to see what happens with uh, official visits or do you think that you know there maybe could be some surprise commitments even before the season actually officially begins yeah I, th I mean i think there could definitely be some surprise commitments um i mean especially although it's already august uh which is yeah. kind of crazy to say but <laughs> i think there'll definitely be some surprise ones um i still think the main guys will are, will be waiting to kind of see how things are are shaking out and, you know, think about it, some of the players that are recruiting, I know I, I kind of keep harping on this, but in terms of the G League opportunity, well, first the G League has to happen this year, which, you know, will be interesting in itself because, you know, is the NBA going to pay for a G League level? I doubt it. Um, but at the same time, they've got to let the high school kids play just to show what they're trying to do. But you look at Chandler, you know, perhaps Solace, uh, Jabari, like those guys are good if they're not targeted already, those guys will be targeted. So perhaps they want to wait longer, you know, these top 20 guys. Um, and then you have maybe a Dunn or somebody else like that, that decides, Hey, I'm the spot's open. I'm going to take it before it, before it goes away. So, you know, it might not be UNC, but I definitely think there will be some early surprises that at least begin in partial, partial dominoes. And, you know, in, in a normal year, this is this is when everything kind of heats up because uh, nobody I mean, some people commit in July because they they've known for a while where they want to go and they just kind of time it. But for a lot of uh, players, you know, July is just so full of events and USA camps and other camps and just, you know, a, you know just everything grassroots for the entire month. And so typically there's a dead period. Um, that starts, you know, right after the what would have been the final live period. Players go on vacation. They kind of talk to their families, and most of them release a top five or top eight or top six or whatever. Um, and then there's always, you know, six or seven of them who release a top six on Thursday and commit somewhere the next Friday. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you remember Armando Bay Baycott did that. He released mm -hmm. a, I think it was a top six um, at the beginning of August of. I guess that was 2018, and then maybe a week later, went ahead and committed to Carolina. Um, that's not uncommon. 
so August is when it heats up. And then what would normally happen is players would take official visits starting with, you know, the first football games, usually Labor Day weekend through October. And you would just get a slew of announcements and commitments uh, during September and October. So I don't know if it's going to be that different um, this year. It's just they won't have those official visits. But I think a lot of players, uh, we've already seen a few, uh, Bobby Pettiford from North Carolina, uh, I think Eric Vanderheiden also uh, from North Carolina, both committed to Louisville. I don't think either one visited Louisville. So I think you're going to see a lot of that where players just have to trust staffs and, you know, trust um, the relationships they build and try to use the virtual video. I, I'll, I'll give one thing from the scoop uh, that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, right, there's, I, I won't say the name of the assistant coach that, so that will give some people a reason to read, but there is an assistant coach for Carolina and, uh, one of the their major targets, I will say, what the assistant coach is doing is just kind of taking video around Chapel Hill and sending it to the player's family and just yeah. saying, hey, this is the old well, this is Sutton's, you know, this is Franklin Street. Just, you know, trying to find any way possible to let the players know what the campus feels like. So I, I thought that was um, maybe not innovative, but I, I thought it was a good, just a good thing to do um, for people to kind of reassure them that your campus is, safe and that your campus is vibrant and um, that is a place that uh, a potential player could fit in. I'm going to create some like sound effect for when Sherelle gives away something from the weekly scoop. So <laughs> that way, the way we can play it. So the listeners know, all right, let me put it's both of you guys. Huh? It's a rare occurrence. <laughs> I know. Right. I'm going I'm to put both of you guys on the spot here for the last little bit of the podcast. The dominoes. That's going to be the theme. I might as well just rename this podcast the Coast to Coast slash Dominoes by Inside Carolina because it, it really it, – it's something, again, that given the uniqueness, we're going to see this really, really happen, especially with the, um, the overlap that a lot of these guys – I mean, I don't think I can remember too many recruiting classes where Carolina has gone after so many different – so many players that, that can play different positions because you guys talked about Salas can play one, two, and three. I mean, Harrison Ingram, potentially one, two, and three. Uh, the last coast-to-coast uh, -coast that we did, basically every power forward that we talked about could also play the three potentially and maybe even a, a small ball five. So with that being said, I mean, spots are going to start filling up. So to get roundabout way long-winded to actually ask my question – Sean, when you're looking at the potential dominoes for Carolina, who do you think is going to be the first one to fall? Could it be Salas? Could it be someone else? I mean, I know you, it's going to be a shot in the dark, but gut feeling right now, what do you think, man? Um, I would say Salas number one, but I think the two most likely would be Salas or Dunn. I mean, Dunn more from the perspective. I know he's kind of down to a top three, but if you're, if you're not in the top 50 and you have Carolina recruiting you, um, you know, you probably don't want to wait around too long. Um, but it definitely seems like they've been most active on, on Salas. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with, with Salas, even though, you know, I'll knock on wood because that's the one I hope that does commit out of, out of everyone. Uh, we know that you have a man crush on, on Salas, Sean. You've made no, no qualms about that. Cheryl, what about you? When you're looking at, at the overall class, where do you think the first domino is going to come from? I think it'll be in the backcourt um, and whether that's done or whether that's Salas, I'm not sure, but, you know, I think we, we've made it pretty clear inside Carolina that just from what we're hearing and 
talking to folks that those two seem to stick out that uh, North Carolina has the best shot with. Um, so I think it'll be, you know, one of those two. And the thing you have to think about, again, with Dunn, uh, you know, he is kind of a, like a true two, which I don't, mm-hmm. you don't see those that often anymore. Pretty much everybody's either like a, a combo or a wing. Like that's kind of where basketball has gone, but he's, he has like a, a, a true two mentality. And so the question is, well, if they get a true two, um, one, how would that look to Salas? Would he be worried about, you know, another person in the backcourt? Cause now you're talking about, Anthony Harris and RJ Davis and potentially Dunn and potentially Kerwin Walton. So would, would that concern him? Um, and then how would that concern, how would that impact the wings? Because then yep. you have Dunn as kind of a, a wing guard, not a wing forward, but then you also have uh, Licky who would be there and Puff who would be there and Kerwin Walton who would be there. And then Anthony Harris is kind of that same deal. So um, I, I really think it, that's the domino that could fall just like how the backcourt settles out. And um, I, we talked about this a while ago, but I think um, depending upon which backcourt player they get will impact how they, you know, kind of look at what's left on the wing. Yep. So they might try to compliment if they got a wing forward, if they got a wing forward, like Ingram first, say he, in this hypothetical, he committed to Carolina. Then I think someone like, you know, Dunn is a perfect fit. He's a shooter, low maintenance, doesn't need the ball a ton, the ball a ton. But if they get a wing like Houston, well, then maybe Dunn is a bit redundant. And, you know, maybe they back off a little bit and just say, well, they can get Salas and call it a day because Houston kind of fulfills everything that, you know, Dunn does. So I think that matching concept is something that, uh, the staff is going to consider too and it really um they won't know i, I don't think you know, obviously they have more information than we do but they won't <clears throat> they won't know who that first domino is until it happens and then they i guess they'll adjust on the fly now what about the front court though guys uh because you know we, we focused heavily on the guards during this podcast last coast to coast though it was kind of post heavy so i mean what about those guys i mean Carolina's recruiting a lot of those three fours, potentially four fives. What's your thoughts on that, Sean? Well, I mean, I think the good thing is Dontre Styles, um, who I know we mm-hmm. we always kind of gloss over on this podcast just because he already is committed. Um, but, you know, just having him, I think, provides a little bit of flexibility. And then, you know, in terms of Houston, I think more of a true, you know, a three, even though he is listed at six, eight, but most comfortable on the perimeter. And then uh, Trey Kaufman, who was just offered last week, mm-hmm. is definitely kind of a, a four. Um, and then you have Jabari Smith, who, you know, is a legitimate, you know, you put him in, he's starting right, right off the bat. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's, he's going to be setting any dominoes. Uh, Kaufman just releases uh, final four. You know, I think he's more of a multi-year player. Um, so not really somebody that would, I guess, you know, if he, if he committed, you know, throw a five-star off. Um, but once again, do I see him committing? I'm not, I'm not sure, even though it's down to the final four, just due to how crowded that, you know, front court is. So I think it's interesting, but at least they have styles to kind of be that versatile four, three, three, four, um, depending on, you know, how much he improves, which it looks like he has been improving. Uh, but I don't see, I see the back court happening before the front court. All right, uh, Sherelle, final thoughts are yours, man. What do you think about the backcourt? Uh, yeah, the front I, court, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Sean. Um, I actually think um, 
for UNC, you know, Jabari Smith, you know, I don't, we haven't been able to get up with him or talk to him, but he, his recruitment seems like one that might extend into the spring. And, and for North Carolina, that's not a bad thing um, because I just – I don't see how they could get, uh, you know, a, a top 25 type big guy to commit right now um, considering that, you know, Sterling Manley is going to be a, a Richard uh, Jr. Um, you know, they'll have the two freshmen in Walker Kessler and Dayron Sharp, and they'll still have Armando Baycott as well. Now there's a chance that, you know, one of those guys could leave or one of those guys could go pro, but you, you don't know, you won't know really until, you know, next March, late March, early April. Yeah. Um, definitely. At, the, at the absolute earliest, that's when you'll know. Um, so it's a good thing, I think, in the, in the Jabari Smith recruitment, because maybe, you know, he waits for a while and sees that, oh, you know, player X from UNC decided to leave early. It, you know, there's a spot for playing time now. Um, but as is, if he were committing, you know, next week, I, there's just no way I, I think he would commit to UNC. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as someone like Kaufman, you know, I, I don't, I'm not as familiar with him. Again, he's someone we would have watched a ton and talked to people a ton about <laughs> over the summer and spring, um, but we weren't able to do that this year. Uh, so, you know, he could fit in at the four spot. I, I don't know how he feels about a, a lot of competition. I, I would assume that, you know, he would embrace it like most players do. Um, but it, you, you just, it's just going to be very difficult, I think, for them to, to get a real legit big guy uh, mm-hmm. to commit to UNC knowing that there's a chance that they could be the fourth or fifth big as a freshman. You know, any, any top 50, top 75 player doesn't want to be the fifth big potentially uh, as a freshman. Now, there's a chance they won't be, but they could be. And that's what um, UNC kind of has to fight against because there are other schools mm-hmm. where, you know, a top 50 big is the guy the second he walks in on campus. So, um, you know, they're used to it, though, because UNC gets great players for the most part. So yeah. they're used to, to kind of combating that. Um, but I, I, think, I think it'll be spring before, you know, there's something that happens with the, with the big guys. And I don't – and of the offers, I mean, I, I don't see Chet Holmgren committing to UNC. Um, yeah. I don't see Pat Baldwin committing to UNC. Um, Jabari Smith, at the moment, I don't see committing to UNC. So, um, you know, that leaves Kaufman. And then I think they're going to have to kind of go out there and, and see what else they can find. And of course, like we said before, the grad transfer, decommit, you know, release yeah. from litter of intent, traditional transfer, that whole thing will ramp up at some point in the spring and they can look there too. Any quick follow-up, Sean? I mean, man, Sherelle's a downer. Just, you know, <laughs> just, no, no, I mean, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's the consensus opinion yeah. um i think kind of a random thought is you know we're, we're already past all the all the AU would have been finished by now which is you know once again crazy to say given how much we've been talking about AU and not watching it mm-hmm. um and and every you know the, from the spring period there's huge jumps and then from the summer period there's large jumps and we really didn't get those and even even with everybody going to these tournaments there's always a handful of players that you know, really surprise and turn into one and done guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how many players are just significantly outperform their rankings. And, you know, maybe, maybe the champion is coming from one of those schools that can unearth that gem or two in this year's class and, excuse me, can really benefit from, you know, from not having the AAU season. So I think it'll definitely be interesting to see just how how crazy everything turns out to be. Yeah. When it, when the winter and spring roll around and if Carolina has not fulfilled its, um, its targets 
for the front court there, I think you are going to see a lot of names and offers go out that Tar Heel fans may be wondering, why is that guy getting offered? But um, it, it's like you said, Sean, the staffs, they're going to be getting as much film as they can. And it really is going to be getting out there, unearthing those guys that are going to be the hidden gems. And I think it's not far-fetched to say that you could see over the next year or two that happening more frequently than it has in the past, just again, given the limitations of the actual in-person viewings. But guys, we'll go ahead and wrap up this week's Coast to Coast podcast with that. Really appreciate you both talking with me and have a great rest of the week. We'll be talking again soon. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.